Welcome to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our associate pastor, Nathaniel Stubbs. Well, good morning. Hello. Hey, hey. So nice to see you. <laughs> How we doing? That was great worship, huh? Oh, man. I'm thankful to be with you guys this morning. Let's jump right into it. You know, um, the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, right? What? Do it again. Yeah. This year is like deaf, so... I'm in like a bubble right now in my head. Talk, everything's so right here, so I can't hear anyone. But uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen? Yes. So anyone who knows of a child or has a, a child in your life, my daughter is sick right now, um, where you need, you know, Charlotte just gave a testimony about a, a child being healed who is on death's doorstep. My daughter's not on death's doorstep, but... If, you need, if there's a child in your life that needs healing, it could be from anything, we're believing that Jesus, when he releases a testimony of healing a child, according to scripture, he's ready to do it again. So if that's you, in a minute, I'm going to have you stand up. Uh, if you need breakthrough in finances, we heard a testimony about finances. We heard a testimony about favor on getting a house, um, financial breakthrough. If that's you, you're going to stand up. And also, if you need deliverance from addiction, <clears throat> if you need deliverance from addiction in this house, we heard a testimony about Jesus setting a person free from that. So I want you to stand up as well. And then I also felt um, during, before we, I think it was before the testimonies that Jesus wanted to heal people in here. And so I, I felt specifically if there's any neck issues going on, that was the one thing that I heard there's any neck pain going on, I want you to stand up, okay? So this only works if we participate, right? <laughs> so if you, if you had a baby that needs healing, financial breakthrough, addiction broken off of your life, if you need healing, and if specifically if you need healing in your neck, go ahead and stand up right now where you're at. We are so thankful for healing. We don't believe that Jesus heals sometimes when he feels like it. We believe that he heals all the time. Okay, if you're around that person, go ahead and put a hand on him real quick. Go ahead and put a, put a hand on him real quick. Yep. And ask him, what do you need prayer for? What it, which, which one is it? can be multiple. Once you find out, I want you to begin praying. I want you to begin declaring. I want you to pray prayers as if you're inside of Jesus sitting in his shoes. I want you to speak to that mountain. I want you to speak grace to that mountain. We do that right now, Father. We speak grace to the mountain of illness. Lord, I speak over my daughter. I speak over every child that is represented right now in this room. We speak grace. We say to that illness, be removed. We let go of you. Be removed off of that child. And Father, we, we right now say yes and amen to healing coming from heaven. 
for the healing power of the Holy Spirit, touch that child. We speak, get up out of your bed. Get up out of your fever. Get up out of your cough. Get up out of your illness. Get up out of your depression, out of your anxiety. Get up out of your broken bone. Get up and be healed in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and keep declaring over that person. Father, I pray for that neck that is injured, and I just speak right now for the, the bone fragments or the ligaments or the tendons, whatever needs to be replaced, that you would come in and touch it right now with your hand. Touch it with your oil, Lord. We speak healing in Jesus' name. We speak healing in Jesus' name. If anyone else in, in the community here today had a word of knowledge, feel free to come on up and give it real quick. Thank you, Lord. We speak right now financial breakthrough. We speak financial breakthrough in Jesus' name. We speak that the doors and the bonds holding back any sort of housing that's supposed to belong to someone in here from Father, any sort of finances that are supposed to belong to someone right now from Father, we speak breakthrough in Jesus' name. We, we bind up any of the oppressor's plans and we loose what's in heaven. We loose the plans of the Father to prosper you and to bring you into a future and a hope. We also speak to addictions in Jesus' name right now to be broken. We say that your power is broken already in Jesus' name, that the cross is enough. And I declare today that you are finished in Jesus' name, that there is hope no matter how many times you've tried for recovery. There is hope today in Jesus' name. Two words of knowledge for healing. Uh, Pressure in the right side of the head, in the ear. Just a real pressure thing. That's you, right side. Okay, and the other was in the right leg, in the muscle that's on the top of the leg here, right where it ends at the uh, bone. There's a real sharp pain uh, right at that point. Anybody with that leg problem? Well, whoever that is, be healed. And uh, I'll pray for Nathaniel. All right, the, the Lord wants everybody in here who is having trouble with their past to know your past is broken today, that you are a new creation, and that it is I am who tells you who you are. And he also wants to break the spirit of disqualification when you try to destroy your own self from the inside out. He wants to break that. In anyone. Amen. Amen. Any um, progress with the things that were physical? Did anyone see a change in your body?
Oh, over here. Awesome. Is it all the way better? You felt something. Yes. Come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're going to pray for you again. Um, Charlotte, can you just lay hands on her again? Destiny, can you come over? Pinkston, can you come over here and lay hands on her real close? And everyone, let's stretch our hands out towards her. What's your name, ma'am? Adina. Stretch, go ahead and stretch your hands out. How many of you believe Jesus is healing Adina this morning? We, we're not, you know, he doesn't heal halfway, right? We just thank you for what you're doing, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing. And right now we just speak complete healing, the full measure in Jesus' name. Full measure, neck be completely restored. Discs be completely set at ease again in the name of Jesus. Right now, shift into place. Amen. Amen. Adina, I'd love for you um, to come up to the front when we're done with the sermon. And I want to keep praying for you um, at the end of the, of the time. Thank you, guys. Amen. Okay. Well, that was good. How many of you have been enjoying Romans? Yeah. How many of you excited for the latter part of Romans? Yeah. I got to confess, it's been a very long time since I've read the beginning of Romans. So this was really good for me, and I read it, and I'm really excited about today. We're going to dive on in together. Romans 2, 1 through 3. Um, sad news is we don't have any of the scriptures up on the projector today. Uh, but the good news is that you all have a Bible, right? Ha uh-huh. ha. Yeah. Or a phone so you can look it up. So go ahead and open up to Romans 2, 1 through 3. We're going to talk about judgment today. Oh, Yes. What a glorious topic. <laughs> thank you. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that as we open up to these pages of your word, that you speak and that your word is alive, active, and it's very sharp. And your word is the ultimate authority. So Holy Spirit, just <laughs> we just love your presence. We just welcome you to come and smash this meeting, God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever you want to do. Take over in any way you wish to. We just yield this whole thing to you. And we love you. Come and melt our hearts this morning for Jesus. Melt our hearts for truth. And we love you. Amen. Therefore, this is verse 1, Romans 2. You are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. So, pause real quick. We're talking in context of the end of Romans 1, right? How many of you have been loving Emily's messages? They've been really good. I'm so thankful for the purity and power she carries and for the revelation of lordship that she carries. I've been receiving from it a lot. And uh, so we're talking about the end of Romans 1 where it's, it's listing all these terrible, terrible things um, and these people that do these terrible things. And that they celebrate people who do them, they do them themselves, and there's no chapter break in the original letter, right? So in our Bible, it breaks the chapter, but in the the original text, it doesn't. It says, therefore, meaning according to what I was just talking about, 
You are inexcusable, O men, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God... Hold on one sec. We know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. Do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? So there's a first level to this that's super obvious where Paul is saying, yo, you are doing all these terrible things. Do you think that you can judge someone for doing those things when you are practicing them? What's the answer? No. In fact, you're not going to escape the judgment of God if you do that. So that's the first obvious um, way to understand that scripture. But there's a, a beneath that we see another level, um, and this is out of James 2, 10 through 13. So if you want to turn there, you can, James 2, 10 through 13, that if you judge someone for breaking the law, and then you break the law, you condemn yourself according to the measurement you used on them. <laughs> James 2, uh, 10 through 13 says, For the one who attempts to keep all the law of Moses but fails in just one point has become guilty of breaking the law in every respect. That's, that's pretty unfortunate, right, for every lawkeeper. <laughs> so we must both speak and act. Say those words. Speak and act in every respect like those who are destined to be tried by the perfect law of liberty. And remember, and if you forget everything else from today, remember this. Judgment is merciless, merciless for the one who judges others without mercy. So by showing mercy, you take dominion over judgment or mercy triumphs over judgment. So you see, if, if there's someone, like, for example, I, by the grace of God alone, have never, ever, ever struggled with alcohol. It's just not in me to struggle with it. Um, I hate the taste. I try, my wife, um, she enjoys a drink now and then, and I try to do it to connect to her, but it is just repulsive to me. It's so nasty. How many of you guys enjoy a drink every once in a while? Yeah, it's like, and my uncle, he always tells me, it's about... It, you, it's when your uh, palate matures one day. <laughs> one day when you're mature, you will enjoy wine, and I'm sure that's probably true somehow, you know? Maybe your taste buds die, I don't know. <laughs> or maybe they just get refined. But yeah, I just cannot stand the taste. Um, now, again, this is by the grace of God. If I was raised different, if I... There's all sorts of different circumstances that could change that, but you could lock me in a room with barrels of alcohol for 100 years, and I would never be interested in getting drunk. There could be a man who can't pass a bar without wanting to go get a drink. Right? And if I judge him, and we're going to get it, the definition of judge, which we'll read, is to distinguish. If I make a, a, a verdict, whether it's right or wrong, and I pass a sentence on him, wow, you really are, are a terrible person, or, or you're really struggling with this in your life, and I set myself up as a discerner of if he's wrong or right, if I partake in that law, but then, say, in this other area of my life, 
I'm going to use something that I don't really struggle with. Um, let's say, like, I lie. I lie a ton. I'm breaking the law by lying. Amen? And this guy maybe never lies. But he's struggling with drinking. So the measurement with which I judge him when I lie will be used on me. That's pretty amazing. Think about the most ugly person you can think about. The most, the most terrible person that you think should be judged. You, maybe you've even uttered, they should burn in hell. Oh, no. <laughs> if you judge a person according to right and wrong and you say they should burn in hell, when you gossip, that is measured onto you. <laughs> Woo. It's not fair, is it? If you are a better person, it says in James that if you break it in any respect, you are guilty of breaking it in every respect. <laughs> so, that's really encouraging word for us today. We are not to judge according to the law, but according to the Spirit. So I want to unpack, I think this is really important in our day to understand how to judge. How many of you have experienced someone saying, don't judge me? How many of you have said, don't judge me? Don't judge me, lest you be judged, brother. <laughs> how many of you know those people are using that as a defense mechanism because they don't want to be exposed, right? And they say, don't judge me lest you want to be judged. And, and it's actually a huge thing coming against the church right now is judging sin. Don't judge people who are in sin. Don't judge them. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to accept their sin as righteousness? What does that mean? Does it mean I can't tell them they're wrong? What does it mean that I can't judge and we're going to get into this later too, but the spirit of the world leverages Scripture to enthrone false truth. And we're going to get into this later again. I'm just going to the end of my sermon, I guess. But you are not right because you have Scripture backing you. You are right because the Father is backing you. You're not right because your judgment is right. You're right because your judgment is in the Spirit. If you were in the old covenant, you'd be right. But the judgment of all flesh has been fulfilled in Jesus. In other words, the judgment of the law has been fulfilled in Jesus. And we no longer see each other according to the flesh, according to the law, but according to the spirit. So I think it's so important for us as a church because, was I saying that different translation? Because... I think we're, maybe we're walking in a measure of condemnation. You guys hear that? We're walking in a measure of condemnation because we're accepting, we're stepping into judgment on people according to the, the law, and then when we break the law, we then receive the measure we used on other people. And we need to step out of that judgment, and we also need to be able to, in our day, discern what's right and wrong. And, and we'll get into the rest of the message, but... We, Oftentimes as a church, what I see is, at least in a measure, is people react to instead of respond to. We, we react to culture and say, okay, you feel judged by me saying that homosexuality is a sin. I'm just going to go for the tender topics this morning. 
You feel judged when I say abortion is wrong. You feel judged when I say, I'll say this one, which people won't like me even in the church for this. You, you feel judged when I say having a foul mouth isn't actually godly. <laughs> I've had people say, don't be religious. I'm like, wait, what? Dropping the F-bomb and saying, oh, that's actually not edifying is religious? I can do it from a religious spirit, that's for sure. But you're actually a, you actually don't want to be accountable for your words, and so you're using, you're accusing me of being religious because you don't want to own the fact that there's salt water coming out of a fresh water spring. And it actually says, um, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So that's not even just swearing. When I say that, that is not a measurement of judgment upon people. It's a measurement of freedom we can come into. It's a measurement of liberty we can come into. Where we can be like our father who never speaks an unwholesome word. Every word is love. And it's not because he's white knuckling it. It's not because he's like, oh, I can't swear when I stub my toe. And I still swear when I stub my toe sometimes. It's that we can come into our design. Which is we never utter a word that we're not supposed to speak. And so culture comes with these, these things like don't judge me. And if we react to culture, we get rid of judgment. But then our, we actually don't have discernment and distinguishment. And we're going to get into how do we actually have a righteous judgment. So my charge to us is we need to have not react to culture, but we need to react to the Father. We need to respond to Father and see what does it mean to actually have righteous judgment. Amen? Okay, so define the word judge. Properly, it's to separate, to come to a choice, a decision, or a judgment either positive or negative. Typically refers to making a determination of innocence or guilt, right or wrong. And it's especially in a legal standard. And it's also used in the bringing to trial. In fact, in like a court of law um, to separate things. Okay. So we're going to get into a bunch of scriptures here. You can try and turn to them with me or you can just listen and absorb. We're going to start in Matthew 7, 1 through 6. This is the scripture I was talking about earlier. Judge not, this is Jesus, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. That's a lot of judges. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, so I already talked about how people use that to defend themselves. And the only problem with that is Jesus says just a few verses later, first remove the plank, then you can remove the speck. So you could say, well, I actually, he didn't say don't remove the speck. He said don't remove the speck if you have a plank. So he's not saying don't judge. He's saying don't judge with a plank in your eye. Because you're going to get judged for the plank in your eye when you judge someone for a speck if you have a plank. Later on, he says, watch out for false prophets in the same chapter. You'll know them by their fruit. Good tree, good prophet. Bad, bad tree, or I'm sorry. Good tree, good fruit, good person. Bad tree, bad fruit, bad person. Don't judge lest you be judged. So he, it's kind of this like paradox going on, right? There's actually a right way to judge is what he's getting at. Let's look at, this is going to get fun. This is going to be really fun. Um, 
Oh, man. Matthew 18, this is also Jesus. Listen in the spirit, though, not in the law, right? Here we go. Moreover, if your brother, this is Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So right there, it doesn't say if your brother sins against you, don't judge him. It says go and tell him. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If he will not hear you, take one or two more. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to hear the church, let him be a heathen and a tax collector to you. Wow, that's pretty intense. Listen to 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. I wrote in my previous letter asking you not to associate with those who practice sexual immorality. Yet in no way was I referring to avoiding contact with unbelievers who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or those who worship other gods. For that would mean you'd have to isolate yourself from the world entirely. But I'm writing to you, this is heavy, so that you would exclude from your fellowship anyone who calls himself a fellow believer and practices sexual immorality or is consumed with greed or is an idolater or is verbally abusive or a drunkard or swindler. Don't mingle with them or even have a meal with someone like that. Wow. What right do I have to pronounce judgment on unbelievers? That's God's responsibility. But those who are inside the church family are our responsibility to discern and judge. So it's your duty to remove that wicked one from among you. <laughs> Thank you. I love that you're having fun with this too. Isn't that crazy? Did you guys just hear that? Wow. What's that? Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 6. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the next one. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. Now look, I'm dropping a scripture on you that has a context, has a people it's assigned to, has a person that's being led by the Spirit writing it. So we could spend a whole message on each of these scriptures unpacking how do we do this in the Spirit. So this isn't just leverage to go and judge people in this church, okay? Come on. I mean, let's be mature about this. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to break that thing that says, comes with this meek and mild um, don't judge anyone, brother. That's actually what God does. That's true judgment. That's not true judgment. And we're actually commissioned to judge righteously, and we're going to unpack how we do that. And it's not through the law and the flesh, okay? <clears throat> so stay in the spirit. Don't, like, use this as ammunition, right? I'm saying that to myself, too. Dare any of you have a matter against another? So this is 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 6. Paul is addressing believers in Corinth who are... Um, coming to the government to get their way, using the courts and the law in order to win arguments between fellow believers. So he addresses them saying, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Don't you know that we shall judge angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? If then... If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you 
not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goes to, to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. So now we're gonna, I'm going to bounce back and, and share a few more that say don't judge, okay? Listen to this. We're just kind of breezing through some scripture. Who are you? This is Romans 14, 4. Who are you to judge another servant? <laughs> Who's getting a little bit of whiplash here, right? Judge. Who are you to judge? Aren't you able to judge? Is there anyone wise who can judge? <laughs> Only the wise don't judge. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> who are you to judge another servant? And this is in the context of eating. So they're like, you don't have to eat meat. You do, or you can't eat meat. You can't eat meat. And they're judging each other. To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made able to stand, for God is able to make him stand. But why do you judge your brother? I've been guilty of that. Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Last scripture. Do not speak evil, this is James 4, 11 through 12, of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother judges his brother and speaks evil of the law and judges the law. It goes on to say, who are you to judge another? There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. So we see clearly there is isn't a correct judgment, right? There is a righteous judgment, and there's an unrighteous judgment. There is an incorrect type of judgment. Jesus, thank God, shows us how to have righteous judgment in the Scripture. It's super cool. I want to propose to you that it's all about the spirit or the heart posture that you come in. It is all, even these texts we just read, it depends on the spirit in which you read it. it that determines whether you're judging, discerning correctly or not. It's not in your knowledge. It's not in your wisdom. It's in your heart posture towards the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says this in John seven twenty four. Do not judge according to appearance but judge with righteous judgment. In John 8, 15 through 16, he says, you set yourselves up, talking to the Pharisees. <clears throat> How many of you guys are following? I know it's a lot of scripture, but it's, it's, it all is in the same vein. You set yourselves up to judge according to the flesh by what you see. This is in the Amplified Version. You condemn by external human standards. I and Jesus says, I do not set myself up to judge or condemn or sentence anyone. Wow. You know, he's going to judge everyone at the end of all time, right? But he says, I don't set myself up to judge, condemn, or sentence anyone. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. My decision is right, for I am not alone in making it but there are two of us. Say two of us. I and the Father who sent me. So, lesson number one. Jesus says, you set yourself up to judge according to the flesh, according to what you see, and according to appearance. So, lesson number one in righteous judgment is you never promote yourself to the position of judge. Lesson number one. If, if you realize that you're making a judgment about something or someone or some situation, 
and you're the one that has presumed the position of judge over that situation, you can, you can probably be pretty sure that there's some unrighteous judgment going on. That's pretty, that's amazing. Because Jesus, our model, never set himself up to judge anyone. I'll show you that in scripture later too, if you don't, if you don't believe me. <clears throat> but I know you guys believe me. He alone, okay, so never promote yourself to judge. Only God is judge. He has all the facts, right? And he is the only judge. We can have judgments that are right, but we can never be the judge, right? He's the only one that sits on the throne as judge, and we serve him, and we can walk in his discernment, but we can never walk in his seat as judgment. Okay, the second lesson of righteous judgment is this. Even if I do judge, Jesus says, my judgment is true for, say for, I am not alone, but there are two of us. He also says this in John 5.30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. Isn't that amazing? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. He was never alone in his judgments. He was never um, coming to his own conclusions. He was always dependent. So righteous judgment does not come from personal bias, personal opinion, personal ambition, personal agenda. It doesn't come from what we see in the flesh. I'd even propose that righteous judgment can only be received. In other words, you have to hear it from Father. We can judge accurately in the flesh, amen? But that has been dealt with in Jesus. So we no longer have a commission to see things in the flesh. Like we no longer have a law that we're holding people to. Amen? We no longer have a right and wrong that we are holding people accountable to. Hey, if you disrespect your mom, we're going to go stone you in the backyard. <laughs> right? It wasn't very hard to judge in those days. Because it's very easy, if you have any level of wisdom and discernment, to discern in the flesh when someone's wrong. But righteous judgment is heard from the Spirit of God. It judges the spirit of a matter, and it comes with an agenda that comes from the Father. And we're going to get into that. Third lesson, still in John 5, verse 30. Here's the agenda piece of the Spirit. Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is righteous because, say because, I do not seek my own will. This is so good. My, right, my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And this is that will. It's described in John 3, 17. God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge the world. Isn't this amazing? <laughs> Jesus says, I, only, I have righteous judgment because I do his will. In John 3.17, this is the will of God. He sent his son into the world not to judge it, to reject or condemn or pass a sentence on the world, but that the world might have salvation and be made safe and sound through him. 
And Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So having righteous judgment means that we, we are judging according to the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is that the world would not be judged. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? The will of the Father is that there would be no sentence of judgment pronounced on the world. But that through Jesus Christ, the entire world would be judge-free. They would not come under condemnation. They would not come under a punishment. The heart of the Father is that none of his children would perish. And Jesus says, my judgment is righteous, my discernment is righteous, my distinguishing of right and wrong is righteous because it is submitted to an agenda that all would come to know the love and forgiveness and freedom of my Father. I fulfill the law so there is no longer a judgment whose purpose is to condemn. There is no longer a judgment whose purpose is to pass a sentence of right and wrong. There is no longer a verdict that says you are guilty. The agenda now is you are innocent. And this changes the entire way the church judges. From people to situations to politics to vaccines to sin. We have, we have been, become so excellent polishing our brass because we are able to discern when someone's wrong in the flesh but Jesus is saying, I want you to discern how is the kingdom of God breaking out in that person's life? How is the Father trying to reconcile that person to his heart? How is the Father trying to pronounce him innocent or her innocent? And are you interceding for that reality to be made manifest in that person's life? <clears throat> we have to, this is really where we're going to land. We have to move out of judging in the flesh to judging in the spirit. Say this with me. Judging in the flesh has passed away. Say it again. Judging the flesh has passed away. We just got free. We need to, some of us, including myself, just got to repent right there. Oh man, I've been judging in the flesh. Say this with me. Judging in the spirit has come to life. Judging in the spirit has come to life. We need to come out of, I, I feel like there's a deliverance that's going to come to us and myself as we move out of the law because we're receiving the measure that we judge others with and move into the Spirit where when we, the Spirit, it says in, in first, Second Corinthians 3, that the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. So when we dr judge in the Spirit, when we forgive, when we pray for people who hurt us, when we love our enemies and not judge them, there's actually life that's getting measured back to you. And the church is walking in condemnation that no one's going to heal, no one's going to lift because it's self-inflicted. You're going to the park and you're shoveling condemnation and putting your wheelbarrow and putting your truck and dumping it in your living room. And God's not going to control you. So we're going to walk in a measure of condemnation as long as we judge other people. Preaching to myself today, by the way. Having the right scripture, this is where I started, backing your judgment doesn't mean the Father is backing your judgment. So we must, must come out of the flesh realm into the spirit realm. We all know this, Ephesians 6.12, your battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But it's against the powers and principalities that Jesus Christ, praise God, shifted the battle from people who are being influenced by de demonic powers to demonic powers that are influencing people. It's such a gift because now we, the, 
for example, the Crusades got it wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's not a newsflash, right? They're, they are, they totally got it wrong. They don't know what spirit they're of. They're trying to fight the flesh, but we're supposed to fight in the spirit. We all know that verse, Ephesians 6.12. Our battle is not in flesh and blood, but it's in the spirit. Okay, I want to take another scripture here, and we're, we're coming, we're landing it. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. He who is spiritual judges all things. That's amazing. Who, I'm, I'm kind of picking and choosing where I'm reading here out of this scripture. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who knows the rest of the sentence? But we have the mind of Christ. So he who is in the spirit, he who is spiritual, that doesn't mean just floaty spiritually. It means who, he who is submitted to the lordship of Holy Spirit judges all things because he has passed away from the flesh and he is resurrected in the spirit. He judges according to Father's agenda and he judges according to the Father's will and he never judges alone and he never sets himself up to judge anyone, and he only judges as he hears. So he who is in the Spirit actually can judge all things. And it says, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? You. You do. I didn't say that. That's actually literally what the Bible says in all translations. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have that mind. We have the mind of the Lord. We have the mind of Christ. So righteous judgment comes from having the mind of Christ towards a person or a matter and his agenda. What does it look like in your life right now to step out of the flesh realm, which is what you can see and perceive in natural, and turn an ear, step off of the pedestal of judger, Alpha, the pedestal that you know everything. I'm saying this because I've done it. You know, that's how we all know it. We've all done this. We've all been here. What does it look like in, in that situation that's come to your mind, that, you're, that person or that situation that really, really bugs you or that thing that you can't get peace about or that situation that you just want to throw a rock at? What does it look like to come out of your own strength and your own flesh and to, to have the mindset, I have, not been, I have not been commissioned to judge anyone. I have not been commissioned to judge this matter or to set myself up to make a decision whether it's right or wrong. I have been commissioned to bring reconciliation. I've been commissioned to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and to partner with Him. I've been commissioned to declare mercy tri triumphs over judgment. I've been commissioned to partner with heaven and to pray for my enemies. I've been commissioned to love those that persecute me. That's a fan favorite right there. What does it look like in your life right now? What is that thing you're facing that you want to judge? What does it look like to transfer, to have the mindset of Christ towards that situation or the mindset of Christ towards that person? The first step it looks like is to repent. 
right? To admit, I am judging people unrighteously. To admit, I am judging people according to my understanding. I have, maybe you're saying, I have set myself up to judge other people. Father, I ask for your forgiveness. Maybe it's you realize like you have a judgment about a person or a situation and you're the only one that has that perspective. You are alone in making it. There's no one else that agrees with you. Everyone else has tried to tell you ten ways, but you're refusing to give up. That's a sign that you're in the flesh and the Lord wants to take you into the Spirit. Say this with me. I have the mind of Christ. I have the spirit of Christ. The judgment of God, the righteous judgment of Jesus is one heart turn away. Amen. It's one heart turn. When you... When you're faced with that situation or that person, turning your heart to the Holy Spirit, Father, what do you think about this person? Let's stand together real quick. We're going to wrap up just, just some repentance. Um, and, and repentance doesn't, what it means is changing the way you think. It's confessing. I've been judging in the flesh, but Father, I want to judge in the Spirit. To bring it back home to Romans 2. We can't think we can judge in the flesh and not reap what we sow when we step into the flesh. And I, I want us as a body to, that there would be a shifting moment that we step out of the flesh together and reaping what we've sown in judgment and step into the spirit of life the spirit of reconciliation, the spirit of resurrection power. So Holy Spirit, for us at JPC, would you highlight where it is that we need to change the way we think about judgment? Would you highlight who it is that we need to change the way we think about and get your mind about, get your perspective about, get your heart His mind is in you, O believer. You in this room, his mind is in you. His spirit is in you. All you need to do is turn in in humility. Change the way you think. I, have, I do not set myself up to judge anyone. I do not set myself up to judge the world. But I've come to reconcile the world to God. I've come to love the brokenhearted. I have come to set free the captive. I have come to bring liberty to the captive. I have come to preach good tidings to those who are poor. I have come to bring my Father's kingdom. I'm not of this world. So, Father, would you show us those places we need to shift out of, shift out of and shift into the spirit realm? 
take a few minutes, and then we're going to declare, decree, and pray into those places as a family. Yeah, let's do that. Put a, put a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you if there's someone right next to you. If there's not, that's okay. We don't need to cross oceans to make that happen. But if there's someone right next to you, put a hand on your shoulder. Let's begin to declare. Uh, whatever that situation is, whatever that person is, I want you to be bold and to begin to declare to it. Whether it's, whether it's a financial loss that you can only see in the flesh, I want you to begin to declare the mind of Christ over that situation. I want you to begin to declare what the Spirit is saying over that situation. Don't be shy. I don't, I don't hear anyone. Begin to declare. Begin to declare if it's a person. Begin to forgive them. You don't have to say their name, but begin to forgive them. Confess your, your you know, repent for the way you've viewed them and begin to speak the mind of Christ over that person. <clears throat> Whether it's politics whether it's the way that we view the government and we've come into a fleshly mindset about our future, about this country, about people that God calls son or daughter. Let's begin to repent and yield to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. So just begin to declare it out with that person that you're next to. Just just declare it out. Lord, we say we forgive. We forgive, God. We let go. Lord, we pray that person that has hurt us, oh God, would you multiply them in every way. Would you bless them and bless them and hem them in and hem them behind. Would you release your love upon them in such a way that they are filled with faith and love for Jesus? Would you release your mercy upon that person in such a way that they come to a great understanding of you, great repentance, and great strength in your presence, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would financially bless that person who has offended us. You would financially prosper that person who has offended us. You would prosper their children and their children's children, that you would release a spirit of revival into their family. Lord, we declare to a situation that we can only see in the flesh. We declare that we know the plans that you have for us. Plans to prosper us, give us a hope, and give us a future. So no no matter what we see in the flesh, we are not going to set ourselves up to judge it accordingly to that. We submit to you, spirit of life, spirit of power, the incomparably great power which is within us. According to those who believe, we speak resurrection life over our finances. We speak resurrection life over our families. We speak resurrection life over our minds, over our bodies, over our chemicals, over the way that we perceive reality. We speak resurrection life. Come on. Speak, partner your faith with the mind of Christ 
with the Holy Spirit and begin to declare like it's going to change because of your agreement. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we repent for hope deferred, and we ask for joy unspeakable, full of glory. And we declare that we are your joy and you are our joy. You are the joy set before us. With you, we can do all things. In you, we can do all things. Apart from you, nothing. We are hopeless without you. So we shift our mindset that you are going to change our circumstance. As we partner with you and as we obey and as we take responsibility, your presence is going to shift. Your presence is going to be our joy. Your presence is going to be our freedom. Lord, we, just, we thank you that even if we're going to keep going until we're done, so just hang with me, okay? This is, we're, we're doing business as a family. People who shut the door to us in the flesh, Jesus, you are the only one who can open doors and shut them. And when you open them, no one can shut them. When you shut them, no one can open them. So even family members who have said, I shut the door on you, no, I will not have family with you. Jesus, you open doors. Jesus, no one can shut the door you open. So we do not judge them for that, but we come into your courts and we say, thank you for the open door. Before it's open, before it's open in the natural, we step into the spirit and we ask for forgiveness for judging people who have judged and hurt us, our family, our friends, our relatives, and we declare there is a door open in heaven for reconciliation. We declare forgiveness, freedom. We declare open arms. We declare love abounding. We declare that you open those doors of reconciliation, Father. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. Last one, we're going to do um, health. Lord, we just repent for speaking lies over our bodies. We repent for agreeing with lies about our bodies. And we declare right now that this, this is a scripture. The spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead gives life to our moral bodies. We declare that whether we feel it or not today, Holy Spirit, you give our mortal bodies life. And we step into it. We declare today that by your stripes, Jesus, on that cross, we are healed. We declare today that by your stripes, we are healed. We are healed. We step into your perspective. We step into your perspective. We receive your faith. We receive your grace. We speak to that thing to move now. Be moved off of my body in Jesus' name. We refuse to see it in the flesh any longer, and we, just, we walk away from it in Jesus' name. We walk out of it in Jesus' name. To that thing that's been persisting to stay for decades, we just leave you behind now. We're done. We're done with you in Jesus' name. We're walking into freedom in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you are bringing revival to this state, to this city, to this region, because that's what you said you're going to do. And we repent for our self-righteous judgments of this place politically. We repent for setting ourselves up as judges over the government of this land. 
and we just shift, we shift our eyes off of that, and we shift it to you, Father, and we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Portland. I, I repent for my comments about Portland, Father. In Portland as it is in heaven, in Albany as it is in heaven, in Oregon as it is in heaven, let your spirit of truth come, let your spirit of freedom come, and we step out of the flesh and into the spirit. We speak life over this city. We speak life over this nation. We speak life over this state. We speak life over the politics in this country. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.